Welcome to the Concordia Publishing House podcast, where we consider everything in the light of Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm your host, Elizabeth Pittman. In the current issue of Lutheran Life, author Donna Snow shares thoughtful reflections on how forgiveness has transformed her life before God and among others. We're glad to welcome Donna back to the podcast today. Donna is the author of several Bible studies, including Forgiveness, Received from God, Extended to Others. If you'd like to read Donna's reflections in the current issue of Lutheran Life, head over to cph.org backslash Lutheran Life. We'll also link to this in the show notes. Hi, Donna. Hey. How are you? How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Um, excellent. Excellent. Well, I'm glad <laughs> to have you today because this is our first episode of 2021. We are kicking off a season two, and I think we have a powerhouse topic to start with today as we consider forgiveness. Wow, yes. It's, it's something that is, is popping up a lot. Um, in your speaking and in your writing, you've often talked about how forgiveness is always personal. Can you help explain what that means? Well, it's always personal because it's easy to talk about until you get hurt. And when someone hurts you or hurts someone that you hold dear, it becomes very personal. Um, and that's when the rubber hits the road as far as, okay, do we follow what God said? Forgive as I forgave, you know, and when it's personal, that's when the real test begins, I think. And that can be really hard when when you see the example that Christ set of forgiving and forgiving and forgiving and encouraging us to do the same. Boy, as sinful humans, it's hard for us. It's so hard. It's ridiculous because <laughs> that's just who we are, you know, but thank God for Jesus. Oh, absolutely. What do you think we as Christians tend to misunderstand about the forgiveness that we receive from God? I think we tend to look at it, you know, horizontally, laterally. We think forgiveness from God looks like, you know, forgiveness from others, like there's strings attached and there's not. It's so hard for us to understand that there's unconditional love, unconditional forgiveness for those who seek it, that um, it's a hard leap to make sometimes, but that's where the gift of faith comes in. We obediently believe, okay, God says, you repent, I forgive. And we have to believe that. And we pray like the disciples said, you know, help, help my unbelief. You know, we have to pray to believe that we have complete forgiveness from God because of Jesus Christ. This can become difficult because that's hard enough for us as humans to understand. Where do we fall into traps about what it means to give and receive forgiveness from others? Oh, that's a many layered topic. <laughs> I think um, giving forgiveness, sometimes people have a tough time making that leap because they believe they're excusing a sin or they believe they're foregoing justice. But when we really think about it, the justice is up to God. That, that's not our department. Um, it wasn't Jesus' department when he was here. Uh, we leave the justice to God. And so when we give forgiveness or extend forgiveness, it's an act of obedience and it's an act of faith. And so it's hard and receiving forgiveness. You know, I think the toughest thing we struggle with is the fact that that may never come. If someone is really bitter and really 
just out there with anger and stuff like that, they may never extend forgiveness to us. But that doesn't mean we don't have forgiveness from God. So we can't allow that person to hold our feet over the fire, so to speak, when we know when we have honestly repented and asked for God's forgiveness that he's given that to us, no matter what anyone else around us believes. Well, while we're on that topic, uh, when we are the offender, what do we need to do? In addition to what you just said about putting our trust that God has forgiven us. How can I we- mean, first and foremost, yeah, first and foremost, it's just a sincere apology, a sincere reckoning with God first saying, oh, my goodness gracious, because he will convict us when we sin like that. When we hurt someone else, he will convict us. And that honest repentance and seeking out that person to say genuinely, I am so sorry. And that has to be our first step because that opens the line of communication. It can't be a, from the head oh, my bad kind of thing. It's got to be a genuine, okay, this is what I believe I did to you. And because of that, I'm so sorry. May I ask for your forgiveness? And it may take them a while and they may never get there. But if you genuinely approach someone, you know, that's all you can do. And that requires, that that can be very humbling um, and very scary, depending on what you are um, apologizing and asking for forgiveness for it's, it's not easy. Um, but luckily we have God's comfort to help us through that process. Now I've, it's, it's often said in, uh, it can be said in a glib kind of way, but you'll hear the people say, Oh, it's time to just forgive and forget. What's your <laughs> gut reaction to that? My gut reaction is I wish we could delete that from the English language. I mean, that's so ridiculous when people say, well, if you haven't forgotten, you haven't forgiven. You know, God did not give us the divine ability to erase our memory. He just didn't do that. And we're going to remember when people hurt us, especially if it's a deep hurt. And we're going to remember that. But the test comes again. What do we do when we remember? You know, do we seek vengeance? Do we go after that person or do we get on our knees and say, God, you know, my heart is still bitter. Help me help, you know, just continual prayer. But the haven't forgotten, haven't forgiven, man, that just drives me up the wall because it's so wrong. What are some, what's some encouragement that you have for someone who is struggling to forgive? Well, you know, from personal experience, um, I went through a really hard, hard thing 10 years ago that really just upended my life. And I did not want to forgive that person. I just didn't. Um, It was a life altering circumstance. But what I knew and what my pastors lovingly kept reminding me is just keep praying, just keep praying. And I did it that first night after everything happened. I just I prayed the gritted teeth literally out of obedience because I didn't want to. I didn't think they deserved it. They hurt me so bad. What on the planet? Forgiveness? Seriously? But it's more of obedience. And at that point, through gritted teeth, I started praying. Okay, God, you said this is what I'm supposed to do. And so, okay, here we go. You know, and three months later, I was praying through tears because God had changed my heart of honestly asking God to redeem that other person from what they had done and the guilt that they were probably suffering. And it's just, it really, at the beginning, it was strict obedience, even though I didn't want to forgive that person. But knowing now that he enabled me to forgive that person, I'm free. My heart is free. There's no clutter in there that gets 
that gets bitterness or anger, you know, that gives it a foothold. I'm, I'm free in Christ. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. When you've reached, when a person has reached a point where they're wondering, have I truly forgiven? You know, you described how you went through that process. Are there some kind of checkpoints that we, a person can go through to say, to test whether they have truly forgiven? Yes, there are. Um, and that's a great question. They're, they're almost like litmus tests to see, you know, and there's, I'm sure there are more, but I've narrowed it down to four of as far as litmus test. First is your general thoughts. When you think of that person, you know, does bile rise in your throat? You know, <laughs> if that's the case, maybe you need to, to spend some more time praying because I've been there and I know that feeling. Um, the second thing is the, what do I call it? It's the revenge test, the revenge test. When I think of that person do I instantly want to launch a rocket at their head? You know, if that's the case, then, you know, that's not forgiveness. Another one is an opportunity to help test. And this isn't necessary, but when I realize that that person who's hurt me is in trouble somehow, um, am I willing to help them? Not that I have to, but if I could, would I? And that's really the true test because that did happen to me in my situation that that person needed something from me, a document to sign to release them from something. And they, I think, were hesitant that I would actually sign it and let things go. And I couldn't sign it fast enough and send it back to them because, you know, I just that was done. You know, it was over. Um, the other one, gosh, it has slipped my brain now. <laughs> There's but but those really those things are the ones that that really come to mind. I think it was the failure test. Oh yeah, the failure test. Um, when you think of that person, do you want them to fail at absolutely everything? Like their job, their marriage, their life, their education. When you think of that person, do you want them to succeed or are you really wishing for them to fail? And I think when you go through those four tests, you can really discern, okay, has, has God cleaned out, have I allowed God that access, full access to clean out the clutter in my heart? And when you can answer those four tests that honestly, you know, altruistically I have, then you're there. And it's wonderful because it sneaks up on you. Sometimes you don't realize that forgiveness has happened until you realize, oh my goodness, I really don't have any animosity toward that person anymore. And it's almost surprising, but what a great surprise. Absolutely, it is. And, and it definitely can bring some peace to, to your heart and mind. How can gossip throw a wrench into the forgiveness process? Ooh, woof. Gossip is horrible. <laughs> Any process, well, really, but into the forgiveness. When we're talking about forgiveness, how can gossip mess with that? Well, yeah, gossip is just a horrible. It, it just is on many levels, but especially when it comes to forgiveness, I actually had to ask in my situation, I had to ask friends to stop reminding me the bad things that other person had done. You know, like, okay, I know they did this and I know they did this, but I don't need to hear that. I'm honestly trying to forgive that person and move on. And sometimes you have to draw that line with, with friends and, and ask those friends, hey, if you hear other people talking about it, just ask them to stop it because it's throwing gasoline on fire. You know, just don't do it. And what was wonderful is this, my particular situation affected my church and my, my pastors were very adamant about 
any, anything they heard or if anyone would come up to them and say, ooh, you know, what happened? They would say, um, go talk to Donna. And unless you do that, you may not talk about it. And so my pastors, I, I respect them so much because they took a hard line against gossip in a loving way. And we have to do that to let people heal. Absolutely. So for you, what does it mean that you are forgiven in Jesus? Mm. That, that is the best feeling in the world, aside from salvation. I mean, what, the, what that means to me is basically his bloodshed at Calvary for my sin is the only way that I'm right with God. That's it. And he is the way. And, you know, it, it's just, it's almost, it makes me choky that knowing who I am, the things I've done, the thoughts I have, that I am forgiven when I go before him and, and repent, you know, it's just, I'm forgiven because of Jesus and God sees me through that blood and I'm right with him. And there is no payback on that gift. It's just believing it and receiving it by faith and just living brave because of it. It's inexpressible. The, how powerful that gift is because we, we can't fathom the the depths of that with our minds um and and i think it's the most powerful when we actually realize you know some people think oh i'm a pretty good person well as long as you're at that place <laughs> you don't understand forgiveness at a level that you need to when you realize that we are nowhere with jesus then forgiveness becomes that much more powerful we have all sinned and have all fallen short and we all desperately need his forgiveness are there Bible verses that are favorites of yours on the topic that you kind of go turn to, or if you had to pick one or two? Um, if I had to, well, my main one is Colossians 3.13, where it says, the Lord forgave, so you must forgive. And I love that verse because there's no leeway. It's, I forgave you, so you must go forgive. It's almost command language in the original language. And there's no room for that. You know, if Jesus forgave all of us from past, present, and future sins from the cross as he was bleeding and dying, how do I have the right to withhold that from someone else, regardless of the depth of hurt? And so Colossians 3.13 is the one that's really just God has emblazoned that on my heart. And I just love that. And anytime I feel a root of bitterness starting to sink in or, you know, ugly thoughts about a person, okay, Jesus forgave the centurions who were putting them up on the cross. You know, it's like, I have no right not to forgive anyone. And that doesn't make it easy, but it gives it perspective and it helps. The first is a good reminder that we will never be asked to forgive someone further than what God has already forgiven us in Jesus. And exactly. And it's, we, we can't even, he's, he's got it hands down every time. And so that first is a great reminder of that. Exactly. And I think something that people struggle with is that um, it means you have to reconcile with that person. When you forgive them, all of a sudden you have to be BFFs again. And that's a, that's also a misnomer because there are some situations, especially when you're talking about domestic violence and things like that, where you forgive that person and you let them go. But reconciliation is not possible. Forgiveness is one sided. That is our command from God to extend to others. Reconciliation takes two. And so that may or may not happen. Our responsibility is forgiveness. And to take that one step further, 
judgment or vengeance or mm-hmm. pick your word is not our responsibility. That's God's. That's not our place. Our job is to forgive and continue to pray. Exactly. You know, the picture that pops to mind, I see Samson with that jawbone. And I keep, I imagine God saying, drop the jawbone, Donna, drop the jawbone. <laughs> you know, you may not smite, drop it, drop it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I appreciate this conversation on forgiveness because it is such a powerful topic and has so much depth to it that, you know, it's, it's for us to be in prayer and to be constantly in God's word so that we can find our way to forgive others when they have wronged us is so important. Um, it's great. The current issue of Lutheran life goes in depth on the topic of forgiveness. Listeners will have a link to that in the show notes for you, as well as we'll be linking to Donna's book, Forgiveness Received from God Extended to Others, for you to go and learn more. Before we go, Donna, what's next for you? What will we be seeing coming from your pen in the near future? Ah, okay, I'm trying not to squeal. <laughs> um, the book of Esther, the book of Esther, the uh, an in-depth Bible study on the book of Esther. And I have wanted to do that for years. And it's just amazing that it has finally come to pass. Um, I love the book of Esther because it's not a fairy tale. It's such a real picture of the presence of God in our lives every single moment of every single day, guiding us, whether we see him or acknowledge him or not. And so the book of Esther, yes, yes, woo! I'm so excited. I am too. When I was in grade school, we would have trips where we would travel up to Chicago to visit grandparents. And I had whatever version of my Bible I had at the time. And Esther was always one of the books when I was flipping through just reading that I always read start to finish dozens of times. So I'm, I'm excited to see this cover or this, this study, which is wonderful. The cover is spectacular. And yes, it is. It, y'all did a fantastic job. It's a beautiful study. I can't wait for people to dig in and, and see the bravery and the faith of Esther. See, what we're seeing early is that people are excited for it. So listeners will have a link to that in the show notes as well. So you can go learn more about the new study that comes out in early March. Donna, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. I always enjoy time with y'all. You're amazing. Well, we'll have you back on again. And next time we'll be talking about Esther. (laughs) Woo-woo! All right. Thanks so much, listeners. Till next time. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Concordia Publishing House podcast. I pray that this time was valuable to your walk with Christ. We'd love to connect with listeners on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Concordia Pub. Visit cph.org for more resources to grow deeper in the gospel.